Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron. I'm the pastor here. Thanks for checking out a one-hour service with a mission to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. Our goal here is to do what any good Christian church should do, which is help you connect with God in a worshipful way and help you grow in your personal relationship with Him. Our style may just be a bit different than what other churches or other churches that you're used to, but we're still true to the Bible and we take God very seriously. Today we're wrapping up our series called Voices, and when we say voices, we're talking about the thoughts or the internal voices in our heads, as in thoughts, because our thoughts, they're powerful, right? And they can be these internal voices pushing us to do or not do certain things, to think or not think certain ways. And each, work, each week, we've looked at different tools that God has given us to help us combat wrong thinking in our lives and attempt to train and renew our minds to think the way God wants us to think. Uh, we've looked at this verse in Romans, and it's been kind of the, the theme verse for this series. It's called, uh, it's Romans 12, 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This week, we're talking about negative thinking and renewing and transforming it. Negative thinking, uh, it's the voice inside your head that kind of spirals downward, right? When something doesn't go exactly your way or your plan is disrupted by something. Uh, it's the voice that says there's no way going back after that one thing that happened. Or the thinking only bad can happen from this change. Or thinking everything is ruined because of this one thing that just happened. Thinking things won't work out in the end. You know what I'm talking about, right? Negative thinking. Uh, for me, I, I tend to think I'm a generally a positive person, and I hope others would say that about me, but that doesn't mean I don't experience negative thinking. I have to be intentional about combating that thinking. For example, this week, I struggled. I struggled this week. Uh, it's my birthday week, and normally I'm not really into birthdays, but like I was this week. Uh, it was my birthday week, and it's like Tuesday. I'm getting excited about like a long extra weekend, and I do like, it's Tuesday, and it was like 80 out. I'm like, this is going to be amazing. Long weekend, sweet. What's the weather going to be? And I look it up, and it's like, oh, highs of 30, or lows of 38. What? Rain? Like, you know, I'm just like, that's like bumming me out. Like, this weekend's not going to be great at all. This is going to be crummy. I was all excited about sitting out in the sun, playing some bag toss, having a cold one. It's just going to be awesome. I was all excited. So then this weather kind of ruined that for me. That same Tuesday night, we had some dinner with some friends, and, and my wife ended up throwing up that night and feeling sick all night long. Yeah, and my daughter had a fever. So I was like, bummed out by that. I, uh, we finally get away. We're like about to do our thing. And I get stuck behind one of these, a slow driver. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, that ruined my day instantly of like, ah, I just want to get to the place. Like, why is this guy driving so slow? Uh, and I was thinking, can my week get any worse? Well, we're at dinner or at lunch at this diner, and she dumps my water glass on my pants. You know, I, I spared you the image, but, like, everything was wet. It was... It was just not great, and it was, you know, of course, the start of our day as we're running to multiple spots, so I walked around with wet pants all day. Um, but at that moment, I started to change my thinking. Uh, I got a free sandwich out of that. Yay, right? Like, I was like, oh, that's cool, a free sandwich. I got to cuddle my daughter and play kind of caregiver for my wife when she was sick, and it was 
awesome, actually. On the rainy day, we were together all day. We, we did a brewery. We, like, got to, like, play around and just be together playing games, cuddling by a fire. And then yesterday, it was actually sunny. It was warm and nice. It was amazing, especially when I decided to not let the negative take over. I've done that with a number of things in my life, like where the negative pops up, and then I can change my mindset. Uh, uh, recently, I, I think I broke a toe in my bedroom, uh, walking and kicking uh, the bedpost accidentally. I broke a toe out of that. And, but I was like, ah! But my wife's like, do you want a foot rub? Yeah. You know, like, I was like, this is awesome. You know, like, there was a positive out of it. My family, we, to get a little more serious, we had a house fire, right, about a year ago. It was the hardest next six months of my life. And finally, I had this shift of, like, we're, we're going to have a house that's redone out of this. This is going to be amazing. The house is going to be great. It's going to be, like, new. And I found a positive in the rebuild. Uh, even some super scary moments recently, my mom was, was diagnosed with, with breast cancer a few months ago. Negative thoughts instantly flooded my mind, yet the positive was making us think, we got to double down on family time. We're going to start doing the things we've always talked about doing in the future. And we doubled down and decided to cherish the little moments and saw the positive of it. Now, these are all past things for me that if you would have asked me in that moment if I'm feeling positive about it, I'd be like, no way. I'm ticked. I'm mad. But good came from it. And the sooner I change my negative thinking, the better. Can you relate to this? Like, have you experienced something and easily could let your mind spiral negatively and take over? Or you could let someone or something crush everything. You could, you've maybe lost hope in that big or small thing because something's not going as planned. Or simply just experienced negative feelings. Honestly, that's my natural response at times. And I think it's honestly all of our natural responses when bad things happen to us. Yet it's not necessarily how God wants us to think. And it's definitely not what Paul, a big writer of the Bible, did in his crummy situations. Paul, he was kind of a big shot of the Bible. He wrote lots of the letters throughout the Bible. And throughout this series, we've been studying Paul. He's this person who was after Jesus' time, and he wrote these letters to these churches uh, that are now like kind of forming what we do today as a church. And it's been amazing. Paul was an amazing person. But at that time, Paul was also this master of controlling the internal voices and then thoughts in his head. A few things you maybe don't know about Paul is during his time of conversion, of becoming a Christian, he was blinded on a road of traveling. He was blinded. Got to be pretty negative about that. He was converted but then rejected by his people. He felt led by God to share about Jesus. Like, this is going to be exciting. I'm going to do this thing that God's telling me to do. Yet no one wanted to listen to him. Majority are like, ah, no, we're good. It was different than it, what he expected things to be. And then he was also thrown in prison at times when he thought his mission was going to be to huge, giant populations of people from place to place to place. Yet Paul is still positive in his thinking throughout all of this, no matter what. We can see it, especially in this letter he writes to the people of Philippi. It's the letter called Philippians. Uh, we've been studying this letter throughout this whole series. But this letter, it's an encouragement letter to these people while he's in prison. And he's encouraging others in prison. Honestly, if that doesn't speak positivity, I don't know what else does. Like you're in prison and you're saying, hey, good luck, keep going, right? 
But the passage we're looking at today, specifically, is what Paul says about his situation while in prison. Because it's interesting. I'll read it for you. It's in Philippians 1, 12-14. It says this. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here are, have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. I don't know if you caught it, but Paul's kind of positive about being in prison, right? Let's break down why. Let's just keep looking at it once. So he's saying being in prison is good. It's a good thing for him because it's helped him advance spreading the good news of Jesus. He's saying, well, I'm in prison, but this has also forced people to be next to me all day long. I don't know if you're reading between the lines, but he's saying, I get to spend hours with these people and share who Jesus is for hours and hours and hours. He's saying, so you know what they're hearing? They're hearing the message of Jesus. And they are converted is what he's saying. Because of his imprisonment, they become confident in God's ways. That's amazing, right? But that's an extremely positive perspective of prison, right? A very negative thing from that most people would experience. But Paul is positive about it. I got to just share, like, if I was Paul in this situation writing this letter, uh, I'd say probably something completely different. Like, for me, like, if I look at this, I'd be like, I want you to know my lost brothers and sisters that everything that has happened to me has really stunk. I thought I could do some fun things spreading the good news, but now I'm in prison. This place is horrible. And because of my imprisonment, I will not be able to share with anyone anywhere. Right? That would be me. That would be me thinking when I'm in prison. That's probably why God didn't choose me to write scripture. Uh, is I'm flawed. I make mistakes. I'm messy. That would be my letter, right? But Paul is the one who wrote this verse we started with in Romans. That we are re to renew and transform the way we think. Paul is intentional to change what the way he thinks, or the naturally the way he thinks, to the way God wants him to think in situations. And there's some things we can learn that are specific on how to do this from what we just read. We're going to talk a little bit about the brain. And as part of the series, we've been doing some brain teaching. Our brain, it's fascinating. Um, I don't know a ton about it, but Google really helps, right? Um, it does some amazing things for us, though, our brain. It also does some things that are natural that go against what God thinks is best for us at times. And it many times is subjective to what it's been biologically wired to do versus being objective to a certain situation. Our brain is hardwired to have cognitive bias. Now, if you hear those two words, you probably were like me. Maybe you were like, that means nothing to me, Aaron. I have no idea what that means. So let me explain. Cognitive is like a sensory processing. It's how you process things. And then a bias is when you favor something over another or someone over another. Uh, so cognitive censoring is having this bias over how you think about certain things. Cognitive bias is the result when your brain does what it naturally does, which is it tries to simplify information, it processes it, processes it by biases, 
and it gives you this information. It gives you rules or information to help you make sense of your surrounding as fast as possible so that you can reach decisions at a normal speed. Uh, versus like, okay, do you want pizza? Processing, processing. It'd be a long time where like you just know, I like pizza. Yeah, I want pizza. You know, like you, you don't have to process as long as wrong. Your brain gives it to you quickly. It's something our, all of our brains does naturally. So for example, you smell something smelly. Your brain might be thinking like, and you're next to a person, you might be like, is that that person? Is there something dirty around me? Did they eat something dirty? I don't know. You know, like, but your brain starts processing that. Uh, maybe you see a type of person, a different religion, different race, different gender, hair color, or political affiliation, and you maybe had a, an experience with someone of that. You're thinking like, oh, I got to stay away or avoid is what your brain is telling you. You see blood and you instantly go into serious mode or pass out if you're like me, like you freak out about blood. You maybe see a police officer and you're instantly thinking like, they're coming for me. You know, like your brain is just used to that. It's hardwired for that. Or you hear a baby crying and you instantly are tired. Your brain's hardwired for that. These are biases our brains create. For real though, our brain creates biases about people, situations, and sensors, or senses around us. And when one of these things happen to you, it's really hard to not think it, to not think that way again and again and again. And it's even harder to control your thinking because honestly, you can't control what happens to you, right? We experience accidents, we get sick, we experience hurt, pain, we experience evil, we experience dumb luck, and we can't control it all. We can't control it all around us. But our brain's cognitive bias, it wants to take full control on how we respond to those moments. And many times our brain naturally creeps in negative thinking. If you've been in Christian circles for a while, you probably have heard the Christian saying that everything happens for a reason. Honestly, I don't think that's completely true. Uh, God never intended for you to experience bad things or intended for us to have bad things happen to us. I think some of you might be here today simply to hear that. You need to hear that. That God never wanted you to experience that hurt, that abuse, that neglect or disease or bad news or loss or waiting or whatever. God intended for us to live in this, this garden, this perfect place with him on earth forever, which is what eternity will be like when you're connected with Jesus. But we have sin in the world, sin or the accumulation of wrong choices and mistakes that have brought negative consequences, whether from you directly or indirectly, and it's just something that exists in the world because there's free will. So not everything happens for a reason, but everything can be used for a purpose. Everything can be used for a purpose, meaning God can use your mistakes, your wrongdoings, and your crummy situations. And that's what we see Paul doing in his negative situation. Paul renews his mind, transforms his bias or the bias he has of being negative about being in prison. And he changes the way he thinks by changing the frame of how he is looking at a situation. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control the way you think. So we're going to see what Paul does to change his thinking and see how we can do the exact same. If we look back at our passage, uh, we can see the first thing we see Paul does is he reframes his situation. He reframes it as in looks at it differently. Paul intentionally changes how to see his situation. It's like he focuses on the big picture versus the small close-up picture. You know, like 
let's say you're like here and you're like, oh, a bus and a truck, traffic, what? And then when you zoom out, you're like, ooh, a moose. You know, like, this is cool. I get to see things. Or maybe this one, you're like, rain, oh, clouds. And then you zoom out and you're like, oh, it's actually just going to pass by. It's, it's a nice day. I also think, like, it's something we sometimes just have to reflect in our brain on and call out the biases that we have in our lives at times or expectations that of certain things. We think, like, things should be the way they are or they're worth something that they're not or whatever it is. And, like, we need to reframe our brain of thinking realistically. I, I kind of, like, think of, like, people that are selling things at a rummage sale sometimes. They, like, think everything's worth way too much money. Uh, kind of like this guy. Check this out. It's pretty much anything for any age. I see I and down my saw here. It's a classic. Did a lot of projects with this guy. $15 for this classic. No, 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 no. Try $50. This is my first one. Yeah, so what if it was made in 78? Sorry, bud. You're going to have to find another rummage sale. No. Seriously, get out of here. $15 is embarrassing. We've been there, right? You think something's worth way more than it is. You have to change your way of thinking. You have to reframe your thinking uh, to a different perspective, to your situation, and see the big picture. Paul reframed his situation in prison by seeing there is a purpose. What do you need to reframe? What do you need to pull back and see? Is it maybe it's the sudden job loss that you experience and you now maybe have more time to do that other thing that you've been trying to get time to do? Maybe that's the thing. Maybe you, you've had to redo the budget and now you found substantial savings out of, out of how you redid things. Maybe you're able to pursue this new thing that you're passionate about. If maybe for you it's a relationship. Like you now get to think about what you really want in a relationship. You're forced to have the hard conversations that are going to actually push you forward. Or maybe you are now forced to depend on God and grow closer to Him because you're, you're lacking some relationships. Is it maybe your health? Right now it's in your health and you're, you're nervous about your time. And it, maybe right now it's making you maximize the time you have. Maybe it's made you reevaluate what's important in life. Maybe it makes your moments or makes you enjoy your moments even more. What's your situation, and how can you reframe it to transform and renew your mind like Paul? The second thing we can see is, is praise what didn't happen. Uh, a few verses down from our Philippians passage, Paul talks about whether he'd prefer death or not. It gets kind of dark, but I want you to read it with me. It's, it's in verse 21, and it says this. For, me, for to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ, so I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Again, he gets kind of dark here. And he's saying while he's in prison, he has a desire to be with Christ. He desires death. But he praises now because he is alive and he can do fruitful work in other people. Praise is what didn't happen. I'm not dead, so I get to do these things. Death didn't happen, and he found the positive so he can do more. For us, in our negative thoughts, it's hard to stay in the pits, is what my family likes to say, when you can find something to praise about. You know how you used to, like, compete with people of, like, who worked harder? Especially generations do this. Like, when I was your age, I had to walk 10 miles barefoot in the snow uphill both ways. Right? Like you compare those things. 
What if instead you praised the fact that you didn't have to do that? I didn't have to walk up both, uphill both ways. I didn't have to walk barefoot. And you praise that. Like those are positives in that situation. Every single person can do this in almost any situation. Find something to praise about your situation that forces you to be positive. A little side note, my wife hates this when I do this for her. Uh, that I try to fix things for her or find positives in her crummy situations. So guys, this is just my little tip out there to you. Here's your reminder or just some people in general. It's okay for someone to be mad or experience hurt or, or to just be negative for a while uh, and not find anything to praise. In my book, five minutes is long enough. In my wife's book, it's like five hours. But know that sometimes it's okay to be in that spot. But we aren't to sit there forever. We're to get out like Paul did. But when it comes to helping others, they need time. They need time. So the second thing we can see that Paul does is, is he, to stop negative thinking is he praises what didn't happen. The third thing is pre-frame for the future. Pre-frame for the future. Y'all now know you're going to experience crummy things, right? Negative, tough situations or things when you just feel negative about something. Tough things happen, right? What if we prepared, though? to handle some of them by pre-framing our situation. Paul does this for the future. Uh, we'll read it. It's, a, it's the same chapter, but it says this in verse 8. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. He says, when you're suffering, pre-frame your mind and see it as a privilege. And know it can be used for a purpose. So prepare yourself. What, what that could practically look like for you or intentionally for you is to create a brain response to something negative. My wife has done this for me, and this is a kind of an embarrassing story, so I'm, bear with me. It's a little out there. Uh, anyways, uh, and I'm, I'm sharing some things that are kind of vulnerable. A little confession is I hate wearing my seatbelts. Anybody there with me? Okay, some people, all right, great, great. I hate wearing my seatbelt. I also hate the alarm in my truck that goes off when I'm not wearing my seatbelt. Um, and I know it's kind of bad. And I'm changing. I'm working on it. I'm putting it on. Thanks, police officers out there. I'm working on it. Um, <laughs> but this is embarrassing. But my wife, she does not like it when I don't wear my seatbelt. She gets mad. And she's now training me to put my seatbelt on. She has trained me by rubbing my shoulder to put my seatbelt on. I feel kind of like a dog. <laughs> but she literally starts rubbing my shoulder when we get in the car until I put my seatbelt on. She knows. She, and I'll, uh, instantly I feel it and I'm like, you know, like it just is like a go-to. I hear the alarm going, rah, 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 but instantly I feel this, seatbelt on. It's embarrassing. But she has pre-framed my brain to do a response when we get in the car. She rubs my shoulder until I put the seatbelt on. And it actually works. It actually works. We can do that with other things, right? We can train our brains to have a specific path of thinking or response when your brain spirals negatively. Maybe like for you, your negative past comes up. Remember who God says you are. 
Remember that you've been made new. Remember how far you've come. Remember the things you overcame. A cool reminder for this, this is just a little plug as a church. Um, we've, we haven't talked a ton about this, but a big reminder of who you are and what you've overcome is baptism. Uh, we're going to have a baptism here in August. What baptism is, is it's uh, a public statement of you saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. And it's this symbolic moment of you, dunk, when you get dunked into the water, of saying, I'm letting go of my past. And when you come up, you're fresh, you're clean, you're new, you're seen as a, a new life. And it's just this amazing symbolic moment for you that you can reflect on. That you can look back on and say, that's how God sees me. Even though you'll mess up in the future again, but know that that's how God sees me. That's what baptism is. It's a moment for you and God. So that's something that could be a powerful moment for you. It is to reflect and preframe your brain to think, this is how God sees me. Is how, when I was baptized, that moment. Uh, for you, maybe it's the past you struggled with. Or that, that is the past. But what about the present right now? Think about the present. Think, you maybe think, God will never leave me nor forsake me. The best is yet to come. That's how you get past the, the present times. Or personally, I've really struggled with this one. Like during COVID, starting a church during a pandemic was stressful and super scary. And I needed to pre-frame my brain to get past some of the really tough situations. Like, for example, I was scared because my livelihood was on the line. I left my other job. They already hired for someone else. I was too far to, to turn around. My family moved here. I have a kid, like, that's a support. It was just a lot. Yet my internal reminder of pre-framing my brain to think this when anything negative like that came up was reminding myself, God prompted me to do this. God told me to do this. And remind myself, God is the one that's directing this. God looks out for what's best for me. I can always come back from anything through God. So we are to pre-frame us to help us get past some negative thinking. What does that look like for you? To pre-frame and to help you get past your reoccurring negative thoughts. The last one is this. Um, it's act on the positive. As in, believe it. It's one thing to think positive. It's another to live it out, right? Paul could have thought, well, I'm in prison. I could maybe be used to actually preach here and like share who Jesus is. But then action actually has to happen, right? He could be like, nah, that's lame, never mind. They aren't going to listen, it's not worth it. Right? He could have done that. He could have said, nah, I'm not really in the mood. I'm in prison, I'm not really in the mood. I know what I need to do, but nah, I'm good. What actually makes the positive, positivity real is acting on it. The action. As a church, encouraging you to action is what we're all about here at Centerpoint. Knowing things and learning things and talking about things, it's great, but does nothing without actually acting on it. So we're a church that puts a lot of emphasis, emphasis on action because it actually does. One of the verses in James 2.17 says this, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. We want faith to be alive and evident in you. So we're always prompting you to act, to actually follow through on these things we talk about, such as positive thinking today. So when you think positively, what do you need to do? When you think of how to combat the negative, what do you need to actually do? For you, is it actually having the conversation that you know you need to, to have with that person, that you've just been putting off, but you know that's what's necessary? Maybe it's actually spending time with the kids because everything has been like negative prior, but like you finally know that's exactly what you need to do. 
Or maybe you actually need to make the phone call and set up the meeting instead of just thinking about that to improve your thinking. Or maybe actually pursue the thing you've been wanting to do. What is it for you? Throughout this series, we're trying to actually transform and change our thinking to align with what God wants. The first week, we started with thinking truth, changing lies with truth in our minds. Next, the following week, we wrote it. We wrote down truth of how to think and what we want to think. Last week, we confessed it. We said it out loud. We said it to God. We said it to maybe someone else. And then this week, you're to believe it. You're to believe it, as in physically move forward with it, with action. Physically acting out your belief of right thinking. When it comes to thinking positivity and believing it, for you that may mean if you're a sick person right now, thinking I'm going to make the best of this time I have. You're going to plan those things and you're going to actually follow through with them. Maybe you have a broken relationship, thinking we both now are ready for help. A conversation to help for someone else actually is going to happen. I'm going to schedule it. I'm going to go to it. Or you're broke. You have no money. You're going to look at the budget and you're going to actually not spend money on things. You're going to start saving. We can renew and transform our negative thinking. It is possible. So as I wrap up, I challenge you to reframe, praise what didn't happen, preframe, and believe it by acting on it. As you leave here today, our hosts, they're going to give you a Bible verse card. We've done this through our whole series. This is our last message of this series. I know it's one of the most churchiest things in the world, uh, in the church world at least. And I say this every time, but if you know me, you know I'm not in the cliche church unless there's a purpose. And that purpose is to help defeat negative thinking. And that doesn't happen overnight, so we want to give you things to help you with that. So grab that card on your way out as a reminder. The host will hand that to you. Uh, the verse that we're looking at is this, is that Philippians 1.12, it says, and I, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. I want you to believe that. I want you to believe that is how you can use your negative situations. With that said, I'm going to close this with a prayer as we wrap up our series, Voices. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for helping us combat negative thinking. Thanks for the example you've given us through Paul. Thanks for having Paul show us how to change our mind, reframe things, and pre-frame, and, and follow through with the things we fully believe. God, I just pray that some of us right now are thinking of negative thoughts or negative things that are going on in our minds. And I just pray that you help us kind of figure out how to get to the positive. How to get through those with purpose. Because you can use anything for a purpose. Remind us of that. And have us know how to see the big picture of things. In your name we pray. Amen.